Welcome to Garden DC, a podcast of Washington Gardener magazine, all about gardening in the greater Washington DC and mid-Atlantic area. Your host is Kathy Gents, editor of Washington Gardener magazine. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode, I'm joined by Doug Oster. Hey, Doug. Hey, how you doing? I am Doug Oster from Gardening with Doug at DougOster.com. Plug, plug, plug. <laughs> sitting, in my, sitting in my unheated greenhouse looking at lettuce and kale and one early girl tomato plant I bought to stick in here because it's a cheater. I want to have an early tomato and I've got all sorts of other stuff in here. It's just, it's wonderful. The sun is shining today and in about an hour, it'll be about 90 degrees in here. Yay. And that's not cheating, Doug. That's just thinking ahead. Oh, I'm glad you because <laughs> uh, our friend Jessica Wallace, she always tells me I'm cheating. So yeah, I'm the, glad I'm not. <laughs> my definition of cheating is going to the garden center and picking out the tomato plants that already have fruit on them <laughs> and planting them. Okay, I'm cheating then because I do that too. Oh, yeah. That's that's why I see that in my community garden. I'm like, hey, that's cheating. I always say <laughs> there's no crying in baseball, no cheating in gardening. Exactly. So you said DougOster.com. Could you mm-hmm. spell that to, for our listeners? D-O-U-G-O-S-T-E-R. Yay. All right. So, Doug, you are based in the Pittsburgh area. So you are zone six. Yeah, they call us zone six, but I, I kind of think more... 5a 5b mm-hmm. I, I don't like to put uh, zone six plants in because i've been burned uh, you know we had uh, polar vortex i think it was about 10 years ago really cold weather and you know ivy that had been growing in our area for a hundred years uh took a beating so I'm, I'm trying to keep it i'm trying when i think of perennials i'm thinking zone five okay and then that obviously varies from in the down in the valley in the city to sure. the hillsides yeah Sure, I'm about I'm about seven miles north of the city, so I probably get a little bit of 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 that. And like you said, yeah, whether you're in the valley, up on a mountain, you know, mm-hmm. it's the topography in Pittsburgh makes it so. Just coming up with one zone for our areas is hard to do. Yeah, that's really tough. And Pennsylvania, as a, a state as a whole, is so variable. And you know, I don't envy you, Pennsylvania garden communicators. <laughs> having to cover such a large state and region. Well, the one thing about Pittsburgh area is so many people garden, you know, whether it's just, uh, you know, six plants on the side of your garage, six tomato plants or, or uh, four acres, you know, just about everybody has something growing and uh, it's fun to, to, to talk to them, to hear all their stories and uh, see what they're doing. You know, you know how it is. You learn a lot from the people that you cover. You learn a lot from from mm-hmm. how they garden, and that's the part I love about it. In all the years I've been doing this, it's 
it's probably 99% positive as far as all the feedback and stuff. You know, even when you get onto social media and everything, it, gardeners are just, they're nice people. They're like campers. They're like mm-hmm. fishermen. They're like fishermen, only they share their secrets. <laughs> oh, I didn't know fishermen were so secretive. Hmm. Oh, yes, we are. Yeah. I mean, yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I find that too. Gardeners are some of the best people on the planet, not only for sharing knowledge, but for sharing seedlings and seeds. And you mentioned, um, we had like texted a bit before this phone call, that you have some tomato seeds that you're you're looking to get rid of. Yeah, Uh you know, this is one of these things that I, I love to I love to get these projects going. And so the backstory is I have a, a gardening friend. He passed away a couple of years ago, but we had known each other for a long, long time. And every time I was going through his town, I would give him a call and I'd stop by there. He told me about his friend that had found a, a tomato while crossing a battlefield during World War Two. And what? Yeah, his whole unit was 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 crossing this field. It was a giant field of these tomatoes, and he, they started all eating them. You know, they were just like, "This is amazing." And he stashed a few of those seeds in his pocket because he he thought this tomato was a huge one and super tasty. Brought it back to the states. You know, started growing it out. And and I have to remind people that these aren't the same seeds from 1945. <laughs> Don't laugh. Yes, <laughs> we, we take we take that for granted, Kathy. But mm-hmm. it, it's. It's they grew it every year and saved the seeds every year. And correct. Yeah. He told me about this tomato and I just thought, what a wonderful story. And then he with his friend, Joe, my friend's name is Dan. And with his friend, Joe, they came up with the name 3945, which were the years of the war. And Hmm. so it's just called the 3945 tomato. I give them away to anybody who is interested in in them. You just, you go to that dougoaster.com and just look for the address. Send me a self-addressed stamped envelope. We want to get it going pretty quick here. Every day, every day I'm sending out about a hundred packets of seed to people so they can get their seeds started. But then the, the the whole thing, the whole part of the project is that grow it out and save me some seeds and send them back. And all the instructions on how to start the seeds and how to save the seeds are sent with them when, when I send them to you. And it's a fun project to keep going because I didn't want this tomato to die out. And when Dan passed away, that might have been it. But 3945 mm-hmm. now is growing all over the place. And I actually, I have seed left over from our local home and garden show here. That I'm going to throw that seed in too. It's called Clint Eastwood Rowdy Red Tomato Seed. And I want to ask you, where do you think that rowdy name comes from? You're too young to know, but trying Rowdy. Yep. No. So Clint Eastwood Rowdy Red. Yep. Is that a is that a horse name? No, you're too young. His first his <laughs> first character on TV was in a show called Rawhide. Oh. And his character was called Rowdy Yates. And now when I was speaking to my group at the home show, they're they're more my age. I just turned 60. So I, anybody who guessed it right, I made them sing the Rawhide theme. So, <laughs> you ever heard the Rawhide theme? Blues Brothers. I, I, in the Blues I think I'm familiar, yeah, from the Blues Brothers movies. Yeah. Rolling, 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 keep the <laughs> Got it. It's a, it's a definitely a song that sticks with you. Oh, yeah. So, that's a, that's a long tomato name, but I was going to ask if you could describe both tomatoes um, as far as looks, taste, determinant indeterminate so both of them are indeterminate means they're just going to grow 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 they both need a a big cage uh especially the 3945 it just it has huge tomatoes 
uh, one to two pound tomatoes. They're kind of an orangish red. They're meaty and they have that old fashioned flavor. Now, the Clint Eastwood tomato is an interesting one because I got that from a friend of mine. He runs a company called Tomato Fest in Carmel, California. He's 75. He grows 640 different types of heirloom tomatoes or, or not just heirloom, but he he sells the seed. And, and we've become friends. I did a story on him last year and and he, I said, I, I need a tomato to give away at the Home and Garden Show, but I want it to have a great story. And that's what the Clint Eastwood, you know, rowdy red, the whole bit. But he named it after Clint because Clint was mayor of Carmel and helped him with his tomato festival. And they a breeder had this tomato that had this very intense, complex, robust flavor. Uh, it's a smaller tomato, six ounce tomato, but it's grown for its flavor. And whenever somebody is going to use a Clint Eastwood to, to name something, it's got to be good. I grow a, a daffodil called Sir Winston Churchill. When you're going to put a name like that on, mm-hmm. on, a, on a plant, it's got to be good. And so uh, both are big growing tomatoes. One is one to two pounds, a 39.45 with uh, old fashioned flavor. The other one is a smaller tomato, but the vines will grow big and just super tasty. And I've got lots of seeds left over. So I will throw one pack of each in every self-addressed stamped envelope with instructions and you can go to town with it. You'll grow something different. I love to have a story in the garden. You know, with something like a 3945, I, I spoke to a, a high school group, uh, a yearbook group, and trying to help them with their yearbook photography. And I wondered if any of them would know if I started talking about this tomato and called it 3945 if they would have any idea if it related to the war. And one of the students, you know, raised their hand and said, that's got to be World War II. And I was very excited to, to know that they, they knew a little bit of their history. And so having a great story when you're picking a tomato, when you have somebody over, you know, your Clint Eastwood tomato. I always say about that one, I always kind of do my really bad Clint Eastwood imitation and say, go ahead, make my salad. So, <laughs> <laughs> I can get a laugh out of that. It's not a great <laughs> You got to have the, you got to have the visuals, you know. Exactly, the squint has to be there. I'm squinting and holding my hand out like a gun. <laughs> so let's keep on talking about tomatoes because I cannot wait for summer and my own fresh tomatoes from the garden. Um, besides those two wonderful seeds you're giving away, what are your favorites to grow for yourself? Oh, uh, there's too many to 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 talk about, but we'll start with. The early ones, you know, I, I always am with an unheated greenhouse in our climate. I'm getting tomato seeds started right now. And I've got a whole like early, a bunch of early tomato seeds, like 4th of July. And and I did a test for early tomatoes and I bought like 200 packets of different early tomatoes, everything I could find. And the, the winner was early girl, which is like, you know, I never expected that. I thought it'd be some weird one. So early girl is, is my probably my number one early tomato, but 4th of July, early girl. There's one called Moskvich that I grow as an early one. Mm-hmm. Stupici, which is just S-T-U-P-I-C-E. Stupici is a great early tomato. So I pronounced that stupice, but I guess I've been wrong all this time. There is no wrong. <laughs> when it comes to saying the names of plants, there is no wrong. And and I try to tell that to, to people who know a lot more than me because I, I interviewed uh, a woman from Ohio State University whose job is to pronounce different plants. I thought it would be, you know, this would be an interesting story. And she told me, she goes, there is no official pronunciation. So you say clematis, I say clematis. Mm-hmm. Now, so stup- stupice is fine. Stupici 
everyone says it differently. Uh, and, and so those are my early favorites. Then for, you know, there, there's a, another one I give away called Limbaugh Legacy Potato Top. And again, it, it has, it's a Pittsburgh heirloom. Mr. Limbaugh called me one day at the office and said, I just want to tell you, I grow this tomato. It's the best tomato you've ever tasted. And I'm just like, sir, I hear that a couple of times a year, blah, blah, blah. Well, he, <laughs> he, he convinced me to come out. And I, I, again, I grow hundreds of tomato plants in my greenhouse. But when he gave, showed me the ones he had in his cold frame, I, I was blown away. Deep green stems the th- as thick as my thumb. And I tried them out. And that was my first tomato project where this Pittsburgh heirloom, and he just called it potato top. It's just an old fashioned, big, ugly, meaty tomato. Last one you'll pick of the season. And I, I just love it. And that's one actually that like, if you had, if you wanted to buy the seeds, you would go to tomato fest. I, he mm-hmm. has, he's the only one that has that variety. And is that tomatofest.com? I think it is. Yeah. Okay. com. And so the thing about growing tomatoes, what I'm trying to get to is that there's early mid season and late season varieties. And so the early ones I've talked about that late season one would be a brandy wine or, or Limbaugh legacy, but there's a mid couple mid seasons that I love. Oh, another early one I forgot to talk about is sun gold. Oh yes. Sun gold is my favorite. My wife's favorite tomato. Mm -hmm. It's a very important one in the garden for us because it's, it, it puts on tomatoes so quick and so mid-season, there's one called Eva Purple Ball that I love. I love uh, Cherokee Purple. I love Japanese Black Trafali. You, you know, you, you just can't go wrong, to tell you the truth. If you just get, you just start looking at tomatoes, and, and I know it's overwhelming when you look in a, a catalog and see 150 different types of tomatoes, but just pick a few and see what you think. Uh, I, I get asked a lot, like, what should I grow? And, and I'm growing a lot of these plants for sentimental reasons, even mm-hmm. purple ball is one that a gardening friend, geez, 30 years ago turned me on to uh, Limbaugh legacy is because Mr. Limbaugh uh, turned me on to that tomato. I still grow out 400 plants for his family. Mr. Limbaugh was a streetcar conductor and he would give those plants away to anybody who had interest in, in gardening. And so part of my, um, with that tomato, part of what I do, I want to give away as many as I can to keep it going. And so uh, the sun gold is my wife's favorite. I grow one called Matt's Wild Cherry. My son's name is Matt. So a lot of times these plants, <laughs> they, yeah, they don't have like the, mm-hmm. you know, certainly some of them are just like, oh, it's, it's an outstanding tomato, blah, blah, blah. But there's just sometimes just a name will get be enough for me to, to plant it. And you start to get your favorites and you try a couple others every year and see if you love them or don't love them. And it's just a... Uh, a load of fun, but they need to be started now if you're going to start from seed. And you know how easy that is. You know, mm-hmm. Anybody can get a seed to sprout. It's just growing it on. And that just means some kind of light. You know, in my case, it's this unheated greenhouse. For you, it might be just an LED light over the, the, the plants to get them to grow strong and stocky. And anybody can do this. And we, we all grow from seed because we want to grow something different. When we started gardening, we're just happy that we didn't kill it. You know, it, it survived. Exactly. It survived. I didn't kill it. Now the next thing is I want to grow something that the next door neighbor is not growing. And that's, that's a 3945 tomato, a Clint Eastwood rowdy red, a sun gold, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. So I was going to say that, you know, starting the seeds pretty easy. It's they're very prolific and germinating, mm-hmm. but I find a lot of my seed exchange attendees. And when we hold our annual tomato taste um, in late August at the silver spring 
a farmer's market that it's the hardening off that is a lot of trouble for, for people. That's so it's going from the baby tomato stage, hardening it off, and then planting it outside. Any tips there, Doug? Yeah, especially for tomatoes. Of all the plants that you grow, tomatoes are probably the, the, the most tender when it comes to that transition from inside to out. And it's not quite as bad for greenhouse grown plants because they're getting sun through the glass, but they still need a, that period kind of a halfway house in between braving the wilds of being out in the spring. And, but when you're growing them under lights like fluorescent or led, you definitely have to take the time and it's a pain. It, there's no way around it. It's a pain, especially when you've got flat after flat of them. But if you know, if you've got less, it's, it's easier, but still you're going to have to go out every day. I start off, I give them like two, three hours in shade, pure shade in a, uh, a protected area near the house bring them back in. And every day I give them a little bit more time outside, a little bit more sun. It has to be done slowly. And if you, if you eliminate this stage, they're going to sit there for two weeks and, and they're going to be sunburned and mm -hmm. not move and you're going to be behind. And so take the time to do that, that little, you know, about a week to get them toughened up. I, I stop giving them as much water, as much fertilizer, they need the wind to toughen them up, the cold to toughen them up. And when those plants are nice and tough, and then you throw them in the garden, they're ready to go. We want these tomatoes to go from seed and just boom, 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 keep going. You don't want them to have that two weeks of like, oh, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. it's too wet. It's too sunny. Why didn't you get me ready for this? <laughs> so it's like getting them prepped, getting them ready. So I was going to say, I have a few tomatoes that actually self-sow for me out in my community garden plot. Um, one of them is Matt's wild cherry and the sun gold is the other one. Um, have you let any of yours go to seed? Yeah. Uh, most of the time I'm planting what we call compost surprise. And so <laughs> Something will sprout basically out of the compost pile. And if I've got room, I'll throw it in a container, throw it somewhere else. And the thing about that is like when that's, when that's sprouting from your sun gold, it's now become, it's reverted to a parent of sun gold. Mm -hmm. and, and so it's going to be similar, but it's not exactly the same. When you get them out of the, the compost pile, you don't know what it's going to be. One, you know, one year I, I had one, it was the perfect tomato for me. It, it was a saladette size, so maybe three ounces round and super acidic. The next year, though, I saved those seeds and planted, and I got a big kind of mediocre slicer. You know, so oh. it hadn't stabilized. It, it was reverting to a parent and then reverting to something else. Uh, but it's a lot of fun to see what you're going to get. But I never got that, that great tomato back. But the other thing about tomatoes that I talk a lot about is beating the virus, beating the, the fungal diseases, um, early blight and septoria leaf spot. And so taking a, a plant like a sun gold, you know, 47 days from tra transplant. Yes, we're putting them in early here in our climate around the third week of May, maybe a little later. But I'm planting those later also, like in the greenhouse and planting seeds later. And I'm planting a sun gold, an early girl and other early varieties as late as July 4th because they love warm soil and they love warm air temperatures and they'll catch up. Uh, you, can, you can see through the years and what I've done with tomatoes that, yes, the May 20th planting, I might get the first tomato, but if we have a real wet, cold year like we did last year, those will, they won't kill them. You know, that early blight and septoria leaf spot won't kill them, but it'll slow them down. 
And by, if I plant June 15 and June 30th and July 4th, those plants by the end of the season, regardless of how wet and cold it is, because it's not going to be that cold in July and, and later, they always do better as far as fungal diseases. And so, so not planting everything on one day don't put all your eggs in one basket. I know it's easy to get the garden in. Okay, we're all going out. We're going to weed. We're going to put everything <laughs> in Memorial Day like mom used to with, with us. And Labor Day, it's all coming out. If you mix it up a little bit on all your plants, not just tomatoes, some this week, some that week, plant some seeds a little later, you're having much better re results as far as when you when you plant them all in one day, you're just assuming that the weather, the, the pests, and diseases are all going to be on your side. And as, as longtime gardeners, you know, that's just not usually the way it works. So nope. succession planting is a big part of what I'm doing. And with such, and you're doing pretty large numbers. So um, if you're just, you know, Joe Schmo homeowner and you're starting out with one sun gold and one pot, you know, that could obviously go out Memorial Day weekend, yeah. <laughs> as you yeah. say. But, you know, it's always fun to experiment and add more. But I want to get back to the fungal disease issues just a little bit, even though that's the depressing part, um, and talk about we always advise people to try to rotate their tomato plantings into a different spot in your garden. Um, but that's tough, especially for people who have small spaces to garden in. There's only so much sun and it's got to be in full sun. Um, so what are your other tips for trying to beat back some of those fungal disease issues? Well, I cannot, I'm, I'm in one of those gardens where I can't rotate my tomatoes. There's only one spot for them. And so those fungal spores are always going to be there. It's probably going to be worse for me because I am in the same spot, but what I'm doing is I'm, I'm what they call a no-till gardener. So the first thing is to put a nice layer of compost on top. That's kind of going to beat down the spores a little bit. When I'm planting, I'm mulching right away, and that might be counterintuitive to, to heating up the soil, but it's better in my opinion because, it, it, again, it, it's slowing down those spores from splashing up. I'm removing bottom leaves to try and get more distance between those uh, spores and the, the plant itself, the leaves, because what happens is the spore splashes up, it gets on the bottom of the leaves. If the leaves are wet for 24 hours or longer, that those spores enter the plant system. About a month later, we start, see it start to manifest itself in those brown and yellow leaves on the bottom that work their way up. So if we can try and keep those spores down in the ground. And then there, there's our organic uh, fungicides too. Uh, there was one, it was called Serenade. It's been discontinued. I think the new one is called, the new version is called Natria maybe. But an organic fungicide, don't, don't reach for one with chemicals because it can be nasty, but an organic fungicide is best used before you see mm -hmm. signs of damage. And so if your tomatoes are in the third week of May and you're getting 50 degrees at night and cold rain for three days, it makes sense to apply an organic fungicide. The organic fungicide, it just it attacks the actual fungal spores and stops them from reproducing. Yeah, it's great tips. And I like to, you know, my approach is very simple. I just pick off any leaf that I start to see a spot or blight on. Um, and then of course, dispose of right. that, not in your compost pile. Um, right. That would be the worst thing to do, but to just get that out of there and put that in with your trash pickup. Yeah. Bury or burn it, but don't put it Definitely in the compost not. pile. And so the next thing that I was going to say about tomatoes that I get lots of questions about 
are um, we talked about when to plant. So we're talking late May, early June, when the ground has warmed up, not necessarily the temperature yeah. outside, but when the soil is warm enough for it. But then how you plant it, because a lot of people will do the lay down method. Do you do that, Doug? I, I use a lot of the horizontal horizontal planting method, and I get a lot of odd looks and comments when I post <laughs> about it. And it really works, especially, you know, when you're growing your own tomatoes, there's going to be some that are going to be kind of long and stretchy and leggy. That's just the way it is. My green, this unheated greenhouse, as soon as the oak tree that's above it leaves out, everything starts stretching uh, because it's not getting the sun it wants. And so especially for one that's become kind of long and leggy, stripping off those bottom leaves, having a shallow trench. And I always put compost in that shallow trench and turning that plant sideways, covering it up. If you're staking, stake it right away because otherwise you're not going to know where that stem is and you'll put a stake right through it because I've, I've had friends do that uh, where mm-hmm. they just they put it in a week later. They go, oh, i got to put my stake in and they just they cut right through their stem and that's not a good thing for the plant. <laughs> and that staking and putting that label there. <laughs> that, oh, that's yeah. the other mistake yeah, yeah, I yeah. made one year is I put all the stakes in nice nice row of plants and then I looked down at my little pile of labels and I was like yikes <laughs> it, you know let me tell you a little bit about that Kathy this is how this is how you know you, you're, you've you've gone too far with gardening because I had a day where I had picked a bunch of tomatoes and I, I like them refrigerated I know that's a never refrigerate your tomatoes but that's just the way i love them and so i had them in a big bowl in the refrigerator and without any other information i was able to id the 10 different tomatoes just by their shape and size and i was thinking to myself boy this has gone too far (laughs) you shouldn't be able to do that (laughs) that's crazy but uh oh that first tomato of the year and for me it's usually Mm -hmm. sun gold or early you know and i'm i'm doing things where a lot of times I don't like to talk about it because I don't want people to put their whole crop out early. But I've, I've learned from growers, professional growers here, that will put a few plants out early, use protection like plastic or floating row cover or a, a, a cold frame, whatever it might be, again, as an attempt to try and get them sooner. That's not your whole crop. You could lose your whole crop if you put it in too early. But when you're starting from seed, that's part of the fun of experimenting. If you've got two or three plants that, again, are early varieties, like, well, you know what? I've got a plan. You know, first for me, it's, it's warming up the soil. So putting black landscape fabric on, then, you know, good compost. It's black, uh, you know, putting the plant in, covering it right away, making a little greenhouse outdoors. And if you have a, a mild spring, a lot of times those tomatoes will, will give you the first tomato of the year and you can gloat and brag. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just all your gardening friends are you're going to say, I'm picking today. And they're going to say, I hate <laughs> you, but that's okay. And you can brag on Instagram and social media too. Oh yeah. That's, that's yeah, the thing yeah. today. So I was going to say, I had for years, a community garden plot neighbor, um, an older Italian gentleman, very old school and his entire plot 10 by 20 was rows of tomato plants always just the san marzano um with Mm. eggplants in between and he would plant Mm. them out what i thought was way too early about you know early to mid april but he had the most wonderful tomatoes and eggplants of our entire community garden 
<laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah, your part of it is just the experimentation of, of, you know, part of gardening is like, you know, trying to grow figs when you shouldn't be able to trying to get tomatoes in earlier than mm-hmm. you should try to pick tomatoes later than you should. You know, there's all these things that we do as gardeners to try and uh, extend the season and grow things that we love. And again, that's just one of the, the beauties of, of, of gardening. And right now, what we're going through, you know, this is the garden is is just such a wonderful place to be in because no matter what's going on around us the daffodils are sprouting the crocuses are coming up it's 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 just comforting to be in the garden yeah. at least it is so true and so one last tomato question i was going to ask you is they're right. always described as heavy feeders um, and I personally just throw a cap full of fish fertilizer in with the water when I'm watering them. Um, usually I will wait two to three weeks after they're planted to start that regime. Um, what do you do for yours? Uh, for the most part, it's just they're living off compost. Mm-hmm. You know, I do use, a, a, I like this organic uh, for liquid concentrate called Grow from Espoma. It's easy to find. It's inexpensive. And yeah, you you throw a couple t- tablespoons into your watering can, and it gives them a little bit of a boost. It depends on what I can find early in the season. You know, locally here there there's a a place that has a organic granular fertilizer. It's basically dehydrated chicken manure, and it's a three four three. Which if I can get it, I'll throw that into the planting hole. The grow I'll use the grow if I can get that tomato tone from Espoma is another great granular just to have mm-hmm. it in there and the plant will will use it up during the season but 90% of what they're feeding it on is is the compost I'm 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 obsessed with using compost I feel that it's the uh, the building block of gardens and it gives you the green thumb you know there's no such thing as a black thumb and tomatoes are pretty easy to grow uh, as I said, succession planning is going to help you a lot. But yeah, giving them a good base of compost uh, is going to give them everything they need. When they have everything they need, they're basically going to outgrow most of the problem. Yeah, uh, yeah. strong plant is obviously in a much better spot to fight off a lot of those fungal issues and our heat and humidity. So I was going to say for our last talk about tomatoes, our last point was last summer... I don't know for Pittsburgh, but for definitely for DC, we had a record number of 90 degree days and just no cooling off at night. So that caused all of our tomatoes to slow down to basically nothing as far as production. Um, How was it for you in Pittsburgh? Uh, We actually had the wettest year ever. And so that did not help the tomatoes a very tough, year for tomatoes as far as that is concerned because again they are they're just prone to fungal diseases and with a year like we had there's no way there's no way you're going to prevent all the fungal diseases uh you know for for the hot weather especially in dc there again my suggestion would be lots of different tomatoes because a lot of the older like those that big one like limbaugh legacy or brandywine those will just drop their blossoms in 90 degrees but there are some some other ones that that can fight off those hot temperatures and still still put a a, a fruit on, you know, because they're self pollinated. They but they still need something to go to the the flower and and you know like a little bee will will go on there and buzz it and then the male 
female parts will be together. A lot of times shaking that plant, brushing that plant when things get hot can help it set fruit. Yeah, and I find that um, the cherry tomatoes especially are obviously more prolific in the heat. And and since they're a little quicker and they're not as susceptible to just sitting there. And it's it's so heartbreaking when you have that just that one Cherokee purple on the vine (laughs) waiting and waiting for it to get ready. So I was just going to say for our our Washington Gardener magazine readers that we have our tomato taste that we do at the Silver Spring Farmers Market always late August. And I would say our top three inevitably every year are um, green zebra, Cherokee purple, and the sun gold or sun sugar. Those are usually up there in the top three to five. Now those, those, those are great ones, you know, and again, it's, it's about your taste. You know, for me, sun gold has a little bit more tomato in it than sun sugar, Mm -hmm. but for other people, they just, they love the sweetness of sun sugar, sun sugar too. It doesn't split as much as sun gold, but again, sometimes you, you fall in love with a tomato and you can't get away from it. And that's what it is for me for sun gold. I've had sun sugars. I've had some other ones too, but I don't know. You know, you know how it is. You just, you fall in love with something and you just got to grow it. And so you like to eat your tomatoes. You said cold from the fridge and mine usually don't leave the garden plot. I just eat them right there off the vine. Um, Do you have any favorite tomato recipes? Yeah, this is a complicated recipe, but it, it's the best way to eat tomatoes. It's two pieces of white bread, some mayonnaise, a giant slice, put them together and go to heaven. <laughs> that, that sounds really good right now in, at, towards the end of March. So that's something to dream about for this summertime. Um, so, so thank you so much, Doug, for talking tomatoes with me today. And let's let's say your website again and spell it for us. It is dougoster.com, D-O-U-G-O-S-T-E-R. And before I go, I got to tell people that, Kathy, what you're doing is is phenomenal. I I read your tips. I read your social media. I push it along. And I, I just think what you're doing is absolutely wonderful. And I just wanted people to know that. And I'm, I'm happy to be your friend. You know, we've been connected online for a long time. And we get to see each other maybe once a year in person, sometimes twice a year in person. But when we do... It's good times. Thank you so much, Doug, and right back at you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply plant profile, heuchera. Whether you pronounce it hoikara or heuchera or heuchera, this terrific perennial species with the common names of coral bells or alum root has seen an explosion of new introductions in the last decade or so. Heuchera are native to North America and do well in woodland garden beds, rock gardens, containers, borders, and as ground covers. They are drought-tolerant and prefer soil to be a little more alkaline than acidic. If you have heavy clay soil, 
Then it is necessary to add some lighter gardening soil when transplanting them into the ground. To get more plants, carefully dig and divide the clumps in early spring. Make sure that each piece you replant has some good roots attached. For those gardening where there are hot and humid summers, select those with Heuchera villosa in the lineage. H. villosa is a species native to the southern Appalachian Mountains. Villosa means hairy leaf, and those fine hairs not only make it heat tolerant, but also deer resistant. The hybrids that have been developed in recent years have an extensive array of colors, shapes, foliage types, and blossom sizes. Heucheras will bloom from early June until the end of summer, but the foliage is the most eye-catching aspect of these perennials. Most varieties do best in part shade with some morning sun, but there are recent introductions that flourish from full sun to full shade. Heucheras have also been hybridized with another native shade perennial called Tiarella to produce the Heucherella, which has added even more fantastic colors and textures to this extraordinary line of perennials. Some of my favorite heuchera cultivars include Midnight Rose, Silver Gumdrop, Plum Cascade, Berry Smoothie, and Lime Ricky. Try a heuchera in your garden today. You can grow that. You can find Washington Gardener online at washingtongardener.com on Twitter at WDC Gardener, on Instagram at WDC Gardener, and on Facebook.com at Washington Gardener Magazine.